Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. So we're going through the book of 1 John, and we're in chapter 3. We're going to look at the first 10 verses tonight and see what the writer has to say to us. And he's going to begin here with a little section in the first three verses, how God calls us his children. God calls us his children. That's who we are. We're child of God. Verse 1, 2, and 3. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know we'll be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. So let's break down those three verses because they have something very specific to say to us. First of all, who we are. Who we are. We are God's children. That's from verse 1. Now, I want you to notice something. Sometimes we just read things and don't think about it. Pay attention there to verse 1. See how very much our Father, Father. God is our Father. Now, what the enemy does is try to put you in a place where when you think of Father, you think of a bad father. See, there is no perfect father. No father on this planet has been perfect. All fathers have issues, have, have weaknesses, have strengths. Our society beats down dads. Why? Because if we can do that, then we won't have the proper concept of God as a father. So if you want to know what father is, don't go by your experience. Look it up in a dictionary. Look what the father means. That's who God is. You see, the problem is with so many things of God, he's so great and so far above that it's hard for us to comprehend. He is the perfect father. And it says, see how much our father loves us. No one understands the love of God. It is too great. It is too large. It is too big. God loves us. He loved us so much he sent his son. The love of God is incredible. And so he's a great father. He loves us so very much and we are his children. Now, what does that mean? Here it is. This is deep. You're not an adult. You're a child. We are God's children. We sometimes think we know more than we do. We sometimes think we know better. But I am a child, child, young child. Well, pastor, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you've got children that are 40s. Yeah, but when we say we're God's children, think more about five or six. It's a good age. You think you got everything. You're selfish. You still want everything your way. That pretty describes us really well, doesn't it? And you think you know what's best and you want what's best. And yet you have this loving heavenly father who loves you no matter what. 
and we are God's children, and he calls us his children. He recognizes us as his children. He claims us as his children. He's proud of us as his children. And the world doesn't understand it, doesn't get it, doesn't know about it, will never comprehend it. To you, to the world, we just look like another person, but to God, we are his children. When we accept Christ as our Savior, we become a child of God. And God does everything he can to help us grow up. Now, you've heard me talk about kids before, because here's the one thing. When you have a child, your job as a parent is to help them grow up, to come to a place where they'll make good decisions, to come to a place where they'll learn about life, and they'll do what is right to do. And so that's how God treats us, and that's what he's doing for us. So as we go through life, God lets us go through stuff and deal with stuff because he knows we need to grow up. We're not an adult. We are children. So who are we? We're God's children. Secondly, who will we be? We will be changed. We will be changed. I'm not going to be a child forever. Now, that's good news. If you're a parent, that's really good news, and you got kids. Okay? Someday, they're going to grow out of this. Someday, um, they'll be older, better, bigger. You know, it's, this isn't forever. And so he tells us we're God's children, that's who we are, but we're not certain of what we'll be like when Christ appears. When you're raising a child, you're not certain what they're going to be like when they get older, are you? So when we are God's children, we're not certain of what we're going to be. Now, see, what happens is so many people, Christians, think, here's, here's what I'm going to look like in heaven. I'm going to look like this, only in better shape. Okay? It'll be perfect. There'll be six packs, you know, abs and everything else, and everybody will be the perfect measurement, and everybody will be beautiful. They'll have all the Botox and everything else done. The hair will be the, the, hair will be the perfect color of what you've always wanted, you know, and I'll really look good, and, you know, and I won't have any aches and pains, and everything will be in the right proportion, and everything will just be wonderful. I will be the new, improved version you are going to be disappointed. <laughs> what we're going to be, we don't know. We don't know. Well, what will I look like? Well, I don't know. You'll be better than you look now, but uh, take that the right way, you know. What am I going to look I, I don't know. You know, I, I've got an idea. I, I don't understand it. You know, uh, who, who are we going to be? Uh, you know, it just says, what it says there, he said, we'll be like him. We'll be spirit, principally. Okay? We'll have a form. We'll have a shape. But we won't be like we are now. We will be changed into something better. God-like, Christ-like. And then he says this great, that great line in verse 2, we will see him as he really is. Wow. 
when you see him as he really is, it will be the most wonderful, beautiful thing you have ever seen in your entire life. We will see him. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, and I know I didn't read the verse in John 1.10. It just says, if we've accepted him, he gave us the right to be his children. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. We are citizens of heaven. In other words, that's where my allegiance lies. I am more a citizen of heaven than I am a citizen of the United States. This is where my citizenship is. Where the Lord Jesus Christ lives... And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like our own. So weak mortal, glorious, using the same power which he will bring everything under his control. That's pretty incredible. Okay, we have a question? I, I need some sound, please. Okay. You open the box. Oh, no. Will I recognize you and everyone I know? Oh, everybody will know me. <laughs> Here's what I think, and this is me, okay? Scripture really isn't clear on this, but I think, I think in heaven you're going to know everybody. I, I think it's just a place where everybody knows everybody else. God knows everybody. If we're going to be like him, he knows everybody. Loves everybody the same. So, to, to me, that's how it's going to be. So, uh, we will be changed. You, you and I will be different. Change physically, change emotionally, change uh, morally, change every way you can think of. Everything will be changed. Psalm seventeen fifteen. here's what the writer says. Because I'm righteous, I will see you. When I awake... I will see you face to face and be satisfied. Wow. Now, throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, no one's seen God. But one day we will see him as he is, face to face. And so who will we be? We will be changed. That's a great thing. Just know that something's better. Well, I want to know about that. Don't, we don't know. We'll just be like him. And that's good enough. I mean, it's good to know you're going to be like perfection, isn't it? That's who we'll be like. And then the question should be, who should we be? We should be Christ-like. If we're going to be like him, we maybe should start that now. Just a thought. But if you look at verse 3 up there, all who have this, I like this terminology, eager expectation eager. I look forward to it. I can't wait for it. Expectation. It's going to happen. I, I, I just, it's there. I believe it. You see, that's called hope. And it's not something, well, I hope my hope works out. It's, I know it is, and I can't wait for it to, because this is what's going to happen, and this is who I'm going to be. And so, when we have that expectation, it helps us to remain pure and Christ-like. And so that's what he says. Have hope. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work towards complete holiness 
because we fear God. Because we have these promises, because I have this expectation, 2 Peter 3.13, we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised. And God always keeps his promises, doesn't he? A world filled with God's righteousness. You know, what would it be like to live in a world where there's no sin? When I don't have to battle with that. When the influence all around me is nothing but righteous. What a great way to live. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Because you believe that, do everything you can to live like it. That's what John writes to these people. You know, he, he, he says that to them. You know, know who you are. You're God's children. Know who you'll be someday. You know, know who you should be, pure, holy. A group of teenagers were out enjoying themselves and they decided to go to a certain place because they thought they could have a good time there. And one of the girls said, well, I, I don't want to go there. I know that my parents won't approve of me doing that. And so would you please take me home? And one of the guys said, well, are you afraid that your father's going to hurt you? And she said, no, I'm not afraid my father will hurt me. I'm afraid I'll hurt my father. World of difference, isn't there? And that's how we live. We know who we are. We know who we will be. And we know what we should be now. That's the way we live. And that's what John's telling these people. This is how you live. This is what it's like. So next, he, he goes on. He says, we cannot continually sin. We cannot continually sin. Verses 4, 5, and 6. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. Now, let me just stop there. Let me just make sure this is clear. We know God's law. Basically, it's been summed up for us. It's been condensed for us, if you will. God's law is simply this. You love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your being. You love him with everything that you are, and you love others in a similar manner. You love God, you love people. And if you do that, you'll do what's right. And so when I don't do that, I'm sinning and breaking God's law. Does that make sense? It's very simple. It's very clear. It's very plain throughout Scripture. Verse 5, you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. And anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Now, let me just remind you, John is writing to correct wrong teaching. The theology of the day that was permeating the culture and the church was Gnosticism. It was a very destroying, damaging belief. And the belief is simply this, inside I'm a good person. 
outside my body is sinful, so it doesn't matter what I do on the outside because it's sinful anyway and I can do whatever I want because I know that inside I'm good. Boy, you can imagine that kind of way coming through and how people live because of that. And that was what people were buying into. And so he's saying, look, I want you to understand something. God has some rules. God has a way of living that he's given to you and you know and you should live like them and you don't break those laws. And if you do, you're sinning. You're sinful. And sin is a part of what we have to understand is breaking God's law. It's doing what I want and not what God wants. It is me being purposely disobedient to God's rules. It is me willingly and knowingly doing what I know is not pleasing to God. And so you and I are told, John writes and says, look, you, you can't keep doing this. And so we have to understand that what he's saying, look in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Well then, should we just keep going on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? I mean, after all, I might as well do it. God's grace is sufficient. God will forgive me. God will do this. And John, Paul writes, of course not. Why would you want to do that? Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in us? And so he came, Jesus came to take away our sins. Now, let me make sure we're clear on something. We are not perfect. And what John is saying here is you don't purposely keep sinning. You do have moments when you sin, but you don't keep living in it. You don't keep doing it. You repent, you change, you get back on track, you start doing what is right to do. So he's not saying, well, if you sin, you're not a Christian. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, look, if, if you're a Christian, you won't keep doing what's wrong. You will abandon that way of thinking, that way of living, that way of acting. And if you keep on doing it, excusing it, well, it's just the way I am, or, well, I know it's a bad habit, but, well, you know, I just can't help myself. If you keep on excusing it, you're not being the person Christ wants you to be. And so if you keep on sinning, you don't understand who Jesus Christ is, and, and you don't understand what he's done for you, and I don't think you understand what he expects of you. If you keep on sinning, you are deliberately defying God and his standards. Now, here's where we have to get in order here. Remember, I'm the child. Father sets the rules of the house. He's in charge. As a child, I don't get to set the rules. Now... Some parents today, you wonder about that, don't you? Who's running who, right? Well, God's running the show, and God says, you're my child. This is how you will live. And he has a right to say that. He is the authority. He is the boss. He's the one in charge. 
And I can make all kinds of, well, I don't like that rule. Well, I don't agree with that. Well, you just don't understand me. Well, you're trying to take all the fun out of my life. Well, everybody else is doing it. God's heard all those rules, but God makes the rules. Yeah. Yeah, question came in. Do you think we could lose our salvation if we continually, deliberately sin? Um, Okay, how many times have I answered this question over the years? You don't lose your salvation like you lose your car keys. Or if you're my wife, her phone. Where's my phone? I don't know where it's at. I lost it. Where, where the, I, I know it's somewhere. I know I got one. Uh, call me. See if I can. You know how that works, right? That's not your salvation. Well, I had it a moment ago, but I don't know. Am I saved? I, I thought I was, but I can't find it. Now, you can deliberately, however, say, I am not going to obey God's rules, and I'm going to do what I want, and I don't care what God says. And that will take you away from the Father. That's your choice. It's not something you lose, you know. I mean, um, I know I was raised, a lot of you probably raised, if you grew up in church like I did, that, you know, what if the Lord returned and you were in a movie theater, you weren't going. You know, and if you were doing something at the wrong time, at the wrong moment, God's not going to take you. It's not that fragile. I'm God's child. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to keep on sinning. I'm going to deal with things and do what's right. But I have a choice. I can say, God, I don't want to live in your house anymore. I want to do my thing. And I'm going to be what I want to be. I don't like all these rules. I don't agree with them. My choice. World of difference between the two scenarios. So John says it there. He says, look, we don't continually sin. We work at becoming perfect, whole, complete. We do everything we can to obey God. We live for obedience and we keep grasping for it. Thirdly, our conduct reveals who we belong to. Well, how do I know? It's easy. What are you doing? Conduct reveals attitude. Conduct reveals heart. You can say, well, I'm not like that. Uh, uh, You know, I'm not a liar. But if you lie, yes, you are. You can say you're not all you want, but your conduct shows something different. Now, notice what he says, verse 7. Dear children, Don't let anyone deceive you about this. In other words, don't let somebody tell you anything different. When people do what is right, it shows they're righteous, even as Christ is righteous. When you do the right thing, it shows. But when people keep on sinning, keep on repeating the same thing, keep on doing the same thing, keep on excusing the same behavior, it shows they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Greater is he that's in you than the one that's in the world. Those who have been born into God's family. Now, notice this, how how he says it. And I like, this kind of clarifies what he said previously. Do not make a practice of sinning. Because God's life is in them. 
So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. They can't keep on doing the same thing or they won't keep on doing it. It's not saying they can't be, they'll come to a place where they're sinless. No, they just won't keep repeating the same things. So now we can tell who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Remember at the beginning I said that the law was summed up for us, two things. He just summarized it right there, didn't he? You live righteously before God, with God, and you love other believers. You see, this thing of loving other believers and loving other people is much bigger than we want to make it. Don't let anyone deceive you. There's only two sides to choose from. You either are serving God, doing what he wants you to do, living as he wants you to live, or you're serving the enemy, Satan, by doing what you want to do and how you want to live. And your actions determine your allegiance. But Christ came to destroy the devil's power and the devil's authority. So John, remember previously, he already said, well, I I don't have any sin. He says earlier, he said, you're a liar. We don't make a practice of sinning. Sin is not our normal practice. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verse 12, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. You are now a child of God. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. And so we come to that place where we recognize, I want to live righteously, I want to do what's right. There's two indicators of what I will do if I belong to God. I will live righteously. I will love God with all my heart. I will want to be like Christ, and I will love other believers. And those are the two things that should be the fruit of Christianity. And to love other believers, I'm going to have to have that other fruit, the love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, self-control. I'm going to have to have those things as well. Well, pastor, you know, I I really love God, but I've got this little habit that just keeps reoccurring and I keep keep fighting it, keep battling it. And as, as a Christian, you should be getting better at not doing it. Progression. Maturity. What's God doing as his children? He's trying to help us grow up to become more like him. It's a process. And so John writes to these people. He says, look, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand how privileged you are because God calls us his children. And you know who you are and you know who you will be someday. And you know who you should be now. And don't live a life that continually excuses behavior that is contrary to God's word and God's law. But live for God. Do what's right. And let your light shine in a world that is full of darkness.
and one day we shall be like him. That's how we live. So how are you doing with that? Where are you at in that process? If, as you just evaluate your life, not somebody else's, yours, what right now will the Holy Spirit say to you about you need to work on this, you need to keep growing in this, For some of you, it might be you need to allow God to be a father that loves you and quit pushing him away because of your experiences. Some of you, it's, you know, I've got this thing that I've been excusing and I need to recognize it's not pleasing God and it's not right. For some, it's, you know what, I've kind of lost the hope. I've kind of quit looking forward to that day when Christ is good or will appear and I need to re-energize that in my life. Whatever it might be. God wants to help you with that. He's your child. You're his child and he loves you. Father, thank you today that you call us your children. Thank you today that you love us and you care for us and that you're helping us to become like you. And Lord, the enemy does everything he can to get us off track, to get us to do our thing, to have us make excuses, to look at the Father as being harsh and hard and difficult instead of loving and kind and gentle. And so, Lord, would you help us to live as children of God with a great hope before us that one day I will see him as he is and I will be like him and it will be worth it all. Thank you for the life that you offer to us. Help us to live in it as we go, we pray, in thy name. And everybody said? Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.